So we've been together now for the past uh, few months in this series on the book of Acts from chapters 21 to 28 that we call multipliers. It's how God calls us to multiply and to pass on our faith through our lives, through our words, and through our actions. And over the past few weeks, we've looked at how God can use even ordinary parts of our lives so that we can point and witness to His glory. We started this series with looking at how even our decisions can be a way to pass on and to multiply and to point to the glory of God. Then we looked at how our testimony is able to do the same thing as well. Then we looked at how even when we take courage and when we stand bold, that can also point to the glory of God through living ready now for whatever may come. Then last week we talked about serving and how serving is that spiritual gift that keeps on giving. So there are various ways that we can multiply and pass on this good news through our lives, through our words, through our actions, through our experiences, through our spiritual gifts. And today, we're going to be looking at how in the times of trial, just as Paul here was on trial before Festus and Agrippa, how in the times of trial, through our trust in the authority of Jesus and the authority of Jesus being our defender, we can point to the glory of God. Today, we enter into this story of Paul under trial, before Festus, before King Agrippa, And he is under trial for his proclamation of the gospel, for his proclamation of Jesus, of this good news. Aquí vemos a a Pablo que está bajo un tribunal por, por por proclamando el evangelio. He is here on trial and is being bombarded and overwhelmed with question after question after question in the midst of this very hostile environment. Paul is being asked questions about God, questions about people, questions about power dynamics. From all directions, the questions keep coming. It's almost as if Paul feels that he's being pushed into a corner without anywhere to go. And we see that here, even in this conversation, this uh, trial with Paul, along with Festus and King Agrippa, it says this, that Paul proclaimed this. He proclaimed that the Messiah, that Jesus, would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. He didn't even let him finish. And he said, you are out of your mind, Paul. He shouted, your great learning is driving you insane. To which Paul replies, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is true and reasonable. Right here, Paul is in a shouting match. Who's ever been in that shouting match where it's gone from a reasonable argument to now name-calling? You're insane. You're crazy. No, I'm not insane. No, you are. No, he did. But it goes back and forth. And many of us maybe have felt that before in times of being pushed into a corner of maybe even feeling categorized or misunderstood. And I've felt the same way as well in times of trial, in times of challenge, where I have felt cornered in some kind of way. And I've learned over the years that really the best possible thing to do in those moments is simply to take a moment to pause and to pray. 
And there have been different prayers that have been engraved into my heart and into some of our hearts as well. Different scriptures that we can hold on to and we can call to in those difficult times. But I know that one of those prayers for me is a prayer that many of us here know. And that is the Lord's Prayer, which we've been studying in our Tuesday night Bible study. You know, the Lord's Prayer. Some of you know it in Spanish. Some of you know it in English. La, la oración del Padre Nuestro. It's that prayer, that ancient prayer that says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In those moments, I've cried out that prayer. But for, for Paul, perhaps certainly, there would have been another prayer, an even more ancient prayer that Paul would pray in that time. And it's an ancient prayer called the Shema. And this prayer actually comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's this beautiful ancient prayer that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this was a prayer that was familiar to the Hebrew and Jewish people. And of course, it would be familiar to Festus and Agrippa who have Paul on trial here in this moment. And it's a quote directly from the scriptures, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It's called the Shema prayer. And the Shema prayer is actually emphasizing the oneness of God. Paul, just like Jesus, he was culturally Jewish. And so were all of those that were directly involved in this trial. They were all familiar with these words, and they even prayed these words as part of their custom at least two times every single day. So the question we see in this scenario, Paul being in a corner, there being the shouting match, there being a trial, why do they have Paul in a trial? Why is he being cornered and questioned and interrogated in the first place? What is it that's happening here? He's on trial because Paul is proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. He is proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And we've heard that so many times that we're used to it, but that was so groundbreaking to say at the time especially with these people that were judging him right before him. Festus and Agrippa, they knew that this title, Lord, was only exclusive to God and to no one else. You know, this part of the Bible was actually written in ancient Greek. And in ancient Greek, this word Lord is actually the word kurios. Can you say that with me? Kurios. That is the word for Lord. So that he was claiming that Jesus is kurios. And that's the word for Lord and Master. But the original word in the Old Testament for God was this word Adonai. And in the biblical Hebrew, that just translated to my Lord. It was a, game, a name given to only God. It was the original name of God that then, then became translated as Lord in the New Testament. So it is the Lord which they are questioning. Paul makes this claim right, right from the beginning in his trial. Friends, to be clear... We can read this briefly and not know exactly what it means, but this is a trial about authority, about who's really in charge. This is a trial about the authority of Jesus. Paul is proclaiming that the authority of Jesus is the authority of God. 
Yet Festus and Agrippa are completely right to accuse Paul if he's claiming this. They're right to accuse him unless they are completely wrong about Jesus. Festus and Agrippa think, just like many people do at different points, that maybe Jesus is just this nice teacher or this good leader. But Paul is claiming more. Paul is claiming that Jesus is the name above all names, that Jesus is the authority over all authorities, that Jesus is God incarnate, that God came to us, the very Lord to which we pray to, the very Lord to which we pray that ancient Shema prayer to, that very God right is is the one who they're speaking about. So this is a trial about authority. It's a trial proclaiming who has the final word, who has the final authority. Aquí vemos en el argumento es sobre la autoridad, la autoridad de Dios y la autoridad del hombre. And we see here that what Paul is proclaiming is that the authority of Jesus reigns supreme. The authority of Jesus reigns supreme over all things over those things that we know hold us back sometimes, that, that weigh us down. The authority of Jesus holds, is supreme over even that job or that situation that you're going through or that trial that you've experienced. Yes, even over that, Jesus is supreme and is victorious over it. Even over my moments of fear and doubt and anxiety and the gray areas of life, Jesus has authority over that. La autoridad de Jesús reina suprema sobre todas las cosas. Even over that one thing, that one thing that keeps us up at night, that thing that has been that fear that we can't let go of, Jesus has authority over that. Paul used these words to comfort God's people, and to give them hope and confidence. By proclaiming that Jesus has authority over all things and that He's conquered all, Scripture is saying that Jesus proclaims His victory to all things, to things that are seen and things that are unseen. The things outside and the things inside here that no one else sees. When we surrender to and we depend on and when we stand on the authority of Jesus, we point to a Lord that is victorious. We point to a Lord that has overcome. We point to a Savior that has redeemed us. And this word redeem can sometimes feel like this ancient word, but redemption simply means that God wants to restore and bring everything back to himself. He wants to restore something beautiful that was once broken. This story of restoration is our story. This is our story. No matter how you may feel that your story feels today or how it may look like today, Friends, brothers, sisters, take heart and believe that just as Jesus was victorious, if you place your trust in Him, that means that you will also be victorious. For those who align themselves with this supreme authority, who trust in Him, rest assured that since Jesus has clear standing and a clear conscience before God, that means that you have clear standing and a clear conscience before God. You know, our lives would be very different 
if we spent more time preaching to ourselves rather than talking to ourselves. Some of you have heard me say this before. What do we do when we talk ourselves, talk to ourselves? Well, if you're anything like me, maybe it's, um, you know, that self-talk that isn't helpful at all. Oh, you're so dumb. Oh, you're not worthy. No, you're not, you're not worth that other person's time. Or I can't do it. No, no, it's impossible. That's talking to ourselves. But what if we took time to actually preach to ourselves, to preach the good news, to say, surely goodness and, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. To preach to ourselves in those moments of trial, we can say, I can bear, I can go through all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or we can pray and say and proclaim and preach to ourselves and to one another and say, the good work, that good work that started in me, Jesus will bring about into completion. So I don't have to fret, I don't have to be anxious, I don't have to worry. He's bringing it all together. That's the difference between talking to ourselves and preaching to ourselves. Paul is saying that through faith in Jesus Christ, you have seen the final chapter of your story. Don't live in this chapter, don't live in this trial as if this is the end because it is not. Paul reminds us to keep our eyes on the final chapter, not, on just, not just on the challenge or the trial that we're going through here and now, but on the promise of the resurrection, the promise that reminds us that the worst things in this life will not be the last things. So whatever you're going through right now, that will not be the last thing. There is a greater hope. There is a greater glory. There is a greater authority over that trial that you may be experiencing right now. God has shown us the final chapter. Dios nos ha demostrado el último capítulo, que es la esperanza y la gloria de Dios. God has shown us this final chapter. And you know, sometimes we can be aware of the final chapter, but we can live as if we have no idea what that is. One of my favorite um, ways to explain this, that this whole idea that God has shown us the final chapter, but we still live as if we don't know what that is, that would be a lot like knowing the result to a sports final or to the, the end result of a game, but still living anxiously as if we don't know what happened. So in fact, it's just like that. Some of you know, I know we have some baseball fans here, but the World Series was this week, right? And many of you, you know who won, and if you don't, well, here's the spoiler. The Washington Nationals won the World Series. So if you didn't know that yet, um, yeah, blame me later. But, um, you know, I really look forward to watching sports finals and all of that, but I can never do it while my kids are up. So I always record them or I, so you can stream them later. There's all kinds of apps that allow you to do that. But I had this game recorded and, um, you know, but before I got to watch it, I was working on my computer and then I just get one of these text alerts that spoiled the entire game for me. And it said in huge cap locks, Nationals win the World Series for the first time in franchise history. And 
I was like, well, I'm not a huge baseball fan. So I was like, all right, good, awesome. But later on in the evening, I, I wanted to watch the game because I had it you know, recorded. I was going to watch highlights online. And I watched it. And even though I know who won. So what would you think if you saw me in that moment? Knowing that you know that I know what the ending of that game is. But if you just saw me anxious, if you saw me biting my nails, pacing back and forth, saying, I don't know what to do, what would you think of me? If I knew the end result to the game, but I was still anxious about it, you would think that I was insane. You would think that I was crazy because I know the conclusion. I know what happens. But friends, how about with us? We still live anxiously, yet we know the ending. The gospel frees us to embrace this reality, to embrace God's reality here and now. The gospel invites us in those times of trial to take eternity seriously. And we're able to take eternity seriously when we take the authority of Jesus seriously. And when we hold on to that authority, that means that we can know the conclusion. We know that the conclusion to our story is hope and resurrection. And that gives us a new boldness. It gives us a new patience where we're free to follow and free to trust That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means that his story is now my story. And I can now point to his glory. We even see it here with Paul in his trial. Paul was on trial just like Jesus was on trial. Some of you remember that before the crucifixion. Jesus was on trial before Pilate, and here similarly, we see that the story of Jesus continues even through God's people, even through Paul. Paul is on trial before King Agrippa, and at verse 31, we see a similarity here once again. It says, after they left the room, they began saying to one another, this man, Paul, is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Just as Pilate wanted to wash his hands, King Agrippa wants to do the same. The story of Jesus continues in and through God's people. Ser cristiano es tener la historia de Jesucristo como mi historia. Jesus has redeemed all things back to himself. And because of this, we can have a new patience We can have a new resilience, a new strength, a new steadfastness, a new boldness in light of living in the story of Jesus. Remember, just as Jesus was on trial, we will have trials as well. But he was victorious. That means we will be victorious. To be restored in him means that we are restoried. His story is our story and we can point to his glory. Paul remained calm here. Paul remained steadfast and courageous because Jesus lived in and through him. Not because Paul was trying his best to do his, 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 his to keep up his strength, but because Jesus lived in and through him. Restaurado significa ser reconstruido. So friends, 
that's part of this journey, that's part of this call. We can multiply our faith through our words, through our actions, through our lives, when the story of Christ becomes our story, when we're restored and restoried. In fact, that's the purpose, that's the point of the church. Yeah, the, the time together, the, the coffee and fellowship, the, song, the songs, all of that, that's all great. But the main purpose of the church is that the story of Jesus continues through God's people. The story of Jesus continues through you and me here and now. We don't exist just for ourselves, but we exist to tell a bigger story and to invite others into that story to point to a newness of life. Living by the authority of Jesus is actually knowing the end. It's knowing the conclusion. And because we know that the conclusion is hope, is resurrection, that means that we can have a new courage, a courage because if the story of Jesus is true, then that means that there is really nothing to lose. There is really nothing to truly be afraid of. Si esta historia de Jesucristo es verdad, no hay nada que temer. The final chapter of our story is a risen and ascended and victorious Savior. It's a Lord who has become alive and who has set us free in the Spirit. So today, in our trust, in our aligning ourselves with this authority, we too will live. Because Jesus has a future, that means you and I have a future. Porque Cristo vive, nosotros también viviremos. Some of you can be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, that sounds kind of interesting, but how do we even start? What does that even mean? How do I begin to call on the authority of Jesus, the authority that's over us and the authority that's in us? Well, it all begins with even this simple phrase that we talk about every week here at Imago Church, through relationships, through a restored relationship with God and with each other. So begin by asking yourself, how's your relationship with Jesus? How do you relate to Jesus? Is Jesus this king, this authority over all authorities, this name above all names that Paul is calling on during this trial? Or is Jesus just a small, nice teacher or a good luck charm in times of need? Well, to be clear, friends, Scripture and the history of Christianity does not recognize a Jesus like that, a Jesus as a good luck charm, but it only points to a Jesus who is the supreme authority, a Jesus that is Lord. The Scriptures point to a Lord that has redeemed us, a Lord that has risen, and a King that can be trusted in all times, in the highs, in the lows, in the challenges, in the joys, in the suffering. So friends, when in doubt, when we have those moments of doubt, those moments of being anxious, those moments of confusion, remember this. Remember what the authority of Jesus has taught you. There is an authority over you and there is an authority in you. 
You have a new identity. The old is gone and the new has come. And the root of this new identity is not based on your past or on what you've done or what you've left undone, but it is based on the story of Jesus, the authority over you and in you. When we surrender to this, Jesus invites us into this newness of life to align our life with his life. Because one thing that is plaguing this generation and even our society and our context is really these conversations around authority, but authority helps us understand our identity. People wonder, whatever I submit to, that's who I am, right? And many of us end up saying, well, I have to be either A or B. But because of the authority of Jesus Christ, he says, you don't, you're not just A or B, but you're A and B, and most importantly, you're mine. Because you abide in me. I created you for a greater purpose. So placing our trust in that promise, in that authority, this is what it means to be restoried. Confiando en Cristo es lo que significa tener nueva historia y ser nueva criatura. When we live by the authority of Christ, this is actually going to provide a new identity for us. Again, where his story is our story. We align ourselves with that. A new identity that's not just based on me, but based on the grace of God, based on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Some of you can be thinking, well, Pastor Carlos, that sounds a little strange. Are you actually saying that I can find out who I truly am? I can find my true identity by trusting in God, by trusting in Jesus Christ, rather than in just looking at myself or looking at my heart, but by trusting in the authority of Jesus, that's how I'll find who I truly am? To which the answer is, Yes, yes, it is if we're truly honest, because when we're honest, we know that anything that we've called ourselves or our identity is really simply living up to or reacting to other people's expectations, or it's reacting to those lesser idols that we create in our heart as well. But when we look to Christ, when we bow down, in our hearts as well. That's the most life-giving thing that we can do because we align ourselves with who our Creator calls us to be. And we, as a part of creation, we will not know who we truly are until we know our Creator. So when we trust and surrender to the authority of Jesus, we're living in line with who we were called to be. Cuando confiamos en la autoridad de Cristo, Podemos vivir en nuestra identidad, a quien Dios nos creó para ser. So this really means a lot of different things. It means that it changes our own lives, but it also changes the way that we walk in community together. Imago Church, as the people of God, we are a people, and we gather here to remind each other that we are marked by the authority of Jesus, that there is an authority over us and there's an authority in us. 
That can even transform and change the way that we speak to one another, knowing that there is a greater authority and that we don't submit just to anything or anyone else. That can change the way we talk, right? This new authority of Jesus, it's a greater authority unlike anything else. Instead of wanting to gossip or backbite or tear down, we can use this authority to encourage, to love, to remind each other of who we truly are in Jesus Christ. Perhaps this can be new language that will come out of our mouths because we know there is an authority over us and an authority in us. When we see each other going the wrong way, we can say, no, stop. Remember that the authority of Jesus Christ has been placed on your life. Don't go that way. In those moments when we feel confused or unsure, when we feel that our past can haunt us or the future we're afraid of, in those moments or even in those times of trial or in those moments when we feel like we've been pushed into a corner, like it's too overwhelming, it's too much to handle, we can't bear it. Remember, friends, remember, brother, sister, that the authority of Jesus is over you. The authority of Jesus is in you. So rather than simply asking, God, what do I do in this moment? First, remember who you are. Remember that you have a new identity. Remember that the authority of Jesus Christ is over you and in you and will work in and through you in those moments, in those times of trial. Remember that Christ is in you. Your, your, your identity is in him. And when we align ourselves with this, with this new reality, this will actually require more faith in our lives, not fear. Because faith will always lead to more faith, and then more faith, and more faith. Fear, on the other hand, that's going to block us from blessing. That's going to block us from courage. That's going to block us from this greater authority over us and in us. So today, this may be the invitation for you. If you haven't trusted in Jesus, if you haven't aligned yourself with this truth, with this authority, this invitation is for you. Today, place your trust in Him. In the spring, we're going to have an opportunities, opportunities for baptisms as well. Talk to me, talk to some of the leaders about how we can go about that and prepare, each, uh, prepare together for that. That's the mark of restoration. That's the mark of a new authority over your life. It's the mark of being restored and re-storied. So friends, my prayer is that the authority of Jesus Christ alone not the authority of anything else or of anyone else, but the authority of Jesus Christ may be what defines us. Not our past, not how we feel on the inside, or how good others look on the outside, but the authority above all other authorities. The name above all names, which gives us good standing with God, 
and together as the people of God. May we boldly and calmly walk in the story of Christ, especially in those times of trial, in those times of challenge. May we boldly and calmly walk in the story of Jesus Christ and embrace His story as our story. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you because you are faithful. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque tú eres fiel. We pray, Lord, that today we may be able to take that step. To take that step, Lord, from simply knowing about you to now knowing you. To take that step from just seeing you from a distance to now being able to connect with you and with your heart. And Lord, we just pray that today, God, we may be able to give up the old and embrace the new. Today we give up that old idol, Lord, that has had authority over our lives. And today we claim that that is done. That today there is a new authority. Jesus Christ, the name above all names the authority over us and in us. The one who will give us the strength, the wisdom to go through whatever it is we may be going through today. God, help us today by the power of your Holy Spirit to embrace this new identity, to embrace who you call us to be, to embrace and align ourselves and yield and surrender to the authority of Jesus. It is only through this authority that we will experience true freedom and true power. Your story becomes our story and we can point to your glory. God, we belong to you. Señor, pertenecemos a ti y ayúdanos, Señor, permanecer en ti en tu autoridad en tu gracia en tu misericordia en tu poder Lord when those moments come when we can't may we simply yield to you and say Lord we can't you must you must do it Lord some of us are going through that right now and I just when we just pray Lord for those things in our lives So right now, we're just going to take a quick moment right where you are, and you can pray over that trial, over that challenge, over that relationship or brokenness, over that financial difficulty. Take a moment to pray, and pray that it would be the authority of Jesus over that the authority of Jesus working in and through all of that. It is only that authority that can bring together what seems so chaotic, so disordered. That's the power of God's grace. This is el poder de la gracia de Dios. So take a moment right where you are to pray over that trial and bring Jesus into that. 
Lord, as your people, we offer you our very selves. We offer you, Lord, our, our lives as living worship that can point to your glory. And God, we just pray that this week you would use us as your hands and feet, as your mouthpieces, Lord God. Thank you that today we've fed on your word. We've been refreshed by it, just like being refreshed through living water. And as we continue in worship and praise, may we experience, Lord, you here. Te damos gracias, Señor, por tu palabra y pedimos, Señor, que esta semana que tú seas nuestra fuerza, que seas nuestro refugio, Señor. And Lord, we just pray as we go out from here, Lord, as we end our time in worship, may we experience your presence and your power and your promises, Lord. It's to your praise and glory that we pray. In the faithful name of Jesus, amen.